Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to, can you believe it, episode 21 of Coombe TV. It's a bit warm, isn't it? I've got doors open, windows open, everything, just to try and keep some kind of uh, fresh air coming in. But I hope you got yourselves ready. I hope you've got your, uh, your drink at the ready. Dilly dilly. And tonight's a first for Coombe TV, because actually, <clears throat> we're going live in two locations, Facebook Live and on the circuits um youtube channel as well so hopefully that's all working for everybody apparently we will see the um the comments coming in from both and it'll tell us whether they've asked questions from one or the other evening steve jackman good to see you here we've got plenty of you coming in and it's about just about right that i'm waffling for a minute because uh, our guest here this evening bless him has just literally come from another live show he does the reverse to what i'm doing as you know i go straight to another show after this one but our guest is uh, is just sort of taking a breather in the green room at the back even in tim perry dilly dilly i'm sh- thank you so much for uh, all of you that watched and commented on the sort of bespoke uh, live that we did on what day was it thursday wasn't it from the circuit when it looks like we've got something that's going to work on July the 4th. It's going to be better than we showed you there, but we're going to be able to not just bring you the commentary, but also some footage as well. Spooner in orange, Dorsey, waffle, never. Yeah. <laughs> now, you're going to notice, and well done, Emma, you, you beat me to it. I was about to say it, is that I'm missing my right-hand man tonight for a very good reason. He turns 40 today, uh, has Tom Davis. So Don, Tom Davis probably can't even see now, bless him. <laughs> He's probably so drunk from celebrating his 40th birthday. Happy birthday, Tom. Uh, good man. I know that I sent through a little gift for you and, uh, and, and, uh, and I know that you've received it and I hope you're having a great day. Sorry it's in lockdown and we can't all be with you, but I know that everybody will wish you happy birthday. Thank you for everyone that's flooding in. Darren Duffield, Nigel Forrest from Alton Park, Nick Holmes, Matt Parr. Good evening, my friend. Neil Thomas. Neil here from Tenby. So they're all flushing in. Right. What of our guest tonight? You can already see it. It is James Cameron from Mission Motorsport. And this, for me, was, was I had to get James on at some point. I've had the privilege of working with him a few times. And uh, that included the last time I properly saw him was him uh, being the special guest for the Catrum Graduates Racing Club Awards do. I have to tell you, and I know he can hear me, and I'm not saying it because he can, but he's one of the best after-dinner speeches I've seen. Absolutely. Anybody of you out there have got any requirement, not only is he brilliant, but you know it is a really deep, heartfelt message and an amazing uh, support that he's doing. Now, what of this, man? Let me just uh, make sure that we introduce him properly. Well, James Cameron, having served 17 years in the Royal Tank Regiment, I'm not allowed to call him tank commander anymore, as I keep doing. Uh, James returned from his last tour of Afghanistan in 2011, and he was determined to help those whose lives he had seen himself impacted by military service. 
As such, Mission Motorsport was created, and this charity has gone on to become one of the most successful of its kind within the UK and beyond. The Forces Motorsport charity, Mission Motorsport, has lived by the same mission statement since day one. Race, retrain, recover. He was already a grade A race instructor and his enthusiasm and vision to harness the power of this sport for the wider good drives the organisation to this day. It clues in the title. His determination to put duty of care for those in need first sets the tone for everything the charity does. He embodies post-traumatic growth and works hard to promote the same in others. He actually started racing himself in Germany and he's raced in the UK and all over the world, including uh, one that I thought was really interesting, was partnering with the likes of Mike Wilds that many of you I'm sure will have heard of in a Mazda in Britcar. He and the team also have worked many times with someone I call a nutter and have done several times called Terry Grant, the stunt driver. Uh, that I've had the terrifying pleasure to work with on the mic and together they've bought us such things as the live action arena uh, show at Autosport International. If any of you managed to make that probably the last activity we had in motorsport back in January, they were there putting on a phenomenal show yet again. As I say, I've had the pleasure of interfacing with uh, James at many events where I would be on the mic and he and his team would be providing charity high speed laps, including our beloved Castle Coombe circuit and including some of you that are watching will have actually not just been in the passenger seat, but some of you may have been there able to help raise money taking your race cars there as well. Ladies and gentlemen, if someone who brings together serving our country, helping others who have served our country, and his unbridled love of motorsport and how much this sport we all adore so much can help each other to help others doesn't qualify as an inspiration. I don't know what does. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure he's cringing in the background, but I give you <laughs> my good friend James Cameron. James, I know you hate it when that happens, but I, I had to do that. It's you know, it, how are you, my friend? I'm all right. If I can book you to do that sort of warm up routine with Mrs. Cameron. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> that, that would that would be great she she doesn't tend to talk about me in such glowing terms but, uh, <laughs> thank you mate that's uh that's really kind and we have actually spent a lot of time alongside each other both at those amazing days at castle coombe and also race weekends dotted about the place as well it's it's amazing how you you run into folk um in the motorsport world it is it is a um it is a small community and all the better for it it's it's great and in fairness, uh, that's what you kind of cottoned on to, wasn't it, with the world of motorsport? I know it was something you loved and were already doing, but you actually worked out, hang on, this can be harnessed. And, and that's what Mission Motorsport has done. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I sometimes get asked, you know, is there sort of, uh, was there a master plan, would you have imagined, you know, uh, right at the very beginning where you are now? And the answer is, is no. Um it seems extraordinary. Just, uh, I, I, you know, I complain. It's a ridiculous idea. If anybody ever thinks about starting a charity, I would urge you not to, for, for God's sake. It's, uh, uh, and I, I very much thought that actually at the time, and it, it pushed quite hard against the whole business of um, whether what was needed to meet a need. The answer was yet another service charity. I, I firmly didn't believe that. But um, doing things as a charity means that ultimately you're, uh, held accountable to a set of principles which you've set out and uh, and against which you are weighed. And it, it gives people who give you money confidence that the money is then spent doing exactly the things which you've sort of said on the tin. 
um, and uh, and it's and it there's the right transparency in place. And to be honest, if you try and do uh, anything like that in the recovery space in any kind of a different way, then um, uh, then you're you're not open to scrutiny in the way it could be. Um, and uh, and so it's the right way to handle money as much as anything else. You know, to be able to to allow us to have have the greatest impact. But um, that race retrain recover thing, you know, um, which which you you caught on, that that kind of was. Uh, I mean, the first time I was kind of thinking about doing this actually was in was in Afghanistan or doing something, you know, that, that became Mission Motorsport was in Afghanistan because I went away with um, some really amazing offers of doing stuff. And I'd always use those sort of things to raise money for service charities. And so the likes of, you know, Stephen Doherty at Track Group had made an offer um, yeah. called Golding, um, uh, again, sort of Lotus community kind of kind of things. Um uh, I had some extraordinary opportunities to be able to do, um, uh, to be able to put things together, which you could then parcel up and you raise money for service charities. And I've done lots of that all the way through my career, really, in, in spare capacity. And you sort of use that uh, difference between motorsport and um, uh, and the military in order to uh, to present something that's quite cool. So um, you can auction off sort of military prizes in a motorsport audience and kind of vice versa in order to um, raise a bit of money. But um, in Afghanistan in uh, sort of 2010, 2011, uh, funnily enough, where I met one of our trustees. So one of our trustees is uh, I met in a hedgerow in uh, Helmand province. Um, uh, somewhere, um, yeah, just, just north of Lashkar and it, which was pretty extraordinary and we we were in two paras area um and i'd climbed down off the the top of the wagon to go and have a look because there was a patrol that was coming across this field towards us and sort of stepped out and i knew the the young officer who was sort of commanding the patrol so i sort of climbed down to go and have a look at him but he had this bloke in the patrol and these are paras so this is two para you know, it's the, the second battalion of the parachute regiment big lads carrying a lot of kit all the rest of it and there was one sort of in the middle of them also carrying lots of kit, but he didn't have a weapon. He was carrying a grey nickels cricket bat. Um, and that sort of and when I first spotted it, my driver pointed it out and, and said, Are we giving away cricket stuff to the Afghans now? Which is something that has been done. You know, the, that love <laughs> of sport is actually it's a lovely way to bring people together. And actually the Afghans are, are quite fond of cricket. They're better at another game, I can't remember the name of it, but effectively it involves galloping around on very fast ponies. Uh, spearing the head of an enemy, which you flick across the uh, which you <laughs> flick across the arena. Uh, it's sort of version of polo, but but um, you get but to use head. somebody. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you, you, you get to use something more entertaining. Um, uh, and he said, "Boss, are we giving away cricket bats now?" And we sort of had a laugh about, it, you know, what a great idea it is getting the Afghans to play cricket in an area that's full of IEDs. Um, <laughs> And uh, and he'd, he'd sort of got close, and it was just one bloke with a cricket bat, and it wasn't a brand new cricket bat. It clearly clearly seen a bit of service, so I climbed down to go and see who it was, and um, and it was the uh, a guy who was the padre. Um, so he's a uh, he's a fully ordained Church of England um, padre, a guy called Anthony Felton White, and a lot of the people watching this will actually have known him or have come across him one way or another, either through Revelation Racing or anything else which he did. But when Top Gear did the Fastest Faith. Uh, and it was a you know a bit of fun that they did. They had a competition in in one of the things. I think they had a uh, you know they had a Roman Catholic vicar. They had a Church of England, which clearly was was Anthony. Uh, they had a rabbi. They had a guy who was a Rastafarian, something or other. 
and um, um, uh, yeah, so a bunch of different and an imam, you know, and all the rest of it. And they all raced around the top gear to try to see which was fastest. And Anthony won by a mile because he's a complete ringer because he's a huge petrol head. He's he raced all sorts of things, anything he can get his hands on. He's currently racing a, a really quick little MG. He's been doing Austin Sevens for a long time. He's in uh, Ben Collins's book, The Man in the White Suit. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which was actually the first thing Ben Collins did with that sort of Top Gear crew, which was actually Hammond did it with a bunch of people they took, and they took this vicar who they'd literally just done the program with um, to Snetterton for the 2CV 24-hour race, which, as you remember, you know, he used to sit in August every year and without fail, despite the fact it's, you know, within three miles of the driest postcode in the UK, and in August, it would absolutely just pee it down. <laughs> all, of these, all of these two CVs would be screaming around. Oh, look at that. Thank you. Yeah, the Someone, We knew again. someone would know it. There we yeah, go. Well, and, and if anyone's going to know it, it's going to be Fran. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, it, he'd had an altercation in the wee small hours with another, with another racer and limped the car back to the pits, got in it, got out of it, and the mechanics were kind of all over his car. And then the bloke who he hit came up the pit lane and into the pits. And uh, it's really interesting because there's different versions of the story. So there's the version of the story which is in um, uh, which is in Ben Collins's book. Uh, there's the version of the story which which Anthony will, will tell you publicly. And I think we did a podcast recently, and he 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 did sort of his version of events on it. <laughs> and then there's the version of events which everybody else tells you, or Ben Collins will tell you in an unguarded moment, which is. Anthony Felton White, wearing a race suit, clearly, that had a dog collar. It was a black race suit with a dog collar. Oh, wow. Collar, so clearly it. a man in the club. Yeah, so this guy coming into his pit garage and uh, uh, and acted quickly to thump him before he got thumped uh, and ended up with the mechanics pulling them apart. Anyway, wow. So you, you can see why Anthony and I, this bloke who I just met with a cricket bat, you know, sort of got on. And funnily enough, he's one of, he's one of our trustees now. But he's... Um, He's a he's an absolutely amazing bloke, but it was always, always, always about the journey, that race, retrain, recover piece, as opposed to, I mean, you know, we all love motorsport, but it's the impact that it actually has on our lives and our communities and where it can take you was the thing that we were always interested in. So um, I probably didn't think it was going to look like it looks right now, but that race, retrain, recover thing has been there from the outset because that's that's always been what it's always been about. Well, the, that's the, the the key thing. I mean, you, you look at motorsport and there's so many roles available to people within it that it kind of makes sense. This, this isn't Mission Motorsport. It's not, ju not just about getting, to use the overgeneralized phrase, injured troops to become racing drivers. That's, that's not it by any stretch. That could be some of them might go that direction, but there's so many other things. I know that you put um, a whole load of people working in with uh, JLR, Jaguar Land Rover, and, and all sorts of other bits and pieces over the years but equally the thing that i've loved about mission motorsport it isn't just about right let's support them let's let's love them let's let's give them counseling it is literally no let's get them give them that sure but let's get them so they can stand up on their own two feet and have a whole new life and that for me is what has rung through from mission motorsport and they um Thank you. I mean, and that is exactly what it's always been about um, since the beginning. The um, there is a there is a tendency that um, uh, that is is infectious, which is service charities tend to talk about the need, and therefore, in order to articulate that need, they will throw a 
uh, a magnifying glass on on those at the end of the scale who uh, uh, who have had an appalling time and have you know had terrible things which have happened to them, which has properly knocked them down, and they need real support to be able to uh, to be able to really become functional members of society. Um, and that's a that's an entirely understandable narrative, but but it's really not our narrative. I mean, because um, to us there is a vast human potential which is there, which frankly we paid for as taxpayers. You know, yeah. you've um, you've taken these people and and insulated them from the world in order to take them to go and do something which is quite extraordinary on the nation's behalf. You invest a huge amount of of time and love and. Uh, and history and all of the values and all the rest of it, um, which you you get in the military, is not something which normal companies have got the time or the interest in instilling in their employees. And when they reach the end of their service career, they've still got an awful lot to offer. A lot of that is transferable. There's bits of it that are absolute gems. And funnily enough, you know, it's at times when the chips are really down and you look around at who in society is facing up to the problems, who's taking it on, who's standing up for those less able to be able to do it. And it, and the, the, certainly the veteran community, the service leader community, people look for the armed forces in times of, of difficulty. Um, they've got an awful lot to, to give. Um, and so, I mean, you mentioned Jaguar Land Rover. I mean, since first Invictus Games, we um, we helped run the driving challenge for, um, for that. And it... JLR have done something quite extraordinary. You know, they'd they'd invested a huge amount of time and capital um, into this thing, and nobody knew what it was going to be like. I mean, the, the Invictus Games came about because Prince Harry went off the script. Um, the, he went across to the States and participated in a thing called the Warrior Games, which a uh, fantastic thing the Americans have been doing, and gradually it got bigger, and it stopped being just Americans, and they'd invite us along, the Canadians, I think, the Australians, and all the rest of it. And this Warrior Games had got bigger. Harry went across and the American press really love him and were absolutely astonished to find somebody who was a prince who they expected to behave in a certain way. Um, just being incredibly at ease with the blokes, joining in, you know, playing seated volleyball and all of the rest of it and having a laugh and having proper banter and all of the rest of it with the guys. And he just clicked and it didn't really matter of what nation they were. He's, he's astonishing with people. His, his emotional intelligence is, is extraordinary. And it comes from the journey which he personally has taken himself. And yeah. so the American press just loved it, utterly focused on it. And there was lots of it that was also spilling out internationally. And there's a guy called David Norris who's an absolutely smashing bloke. And he was uh, he was a full colonel, worked in Ministry of Defence, and he was in charge of disabled and adaptive sport. And um, David had, had told us, he's, you know, it, it happened and it was on a Thursday. He was, uh, he was eating his uh, cornflakes in the morning watching the news. And Prince Harry was on there, and it was the uh, Warrior Games closing ceremony. And Prince Harry got up, and uh, and instead of saying, you know, thank you very much, it's been wonderful coming, you know, we're looking forward to returning here, you know, for the next event, he said, thank you very much, it's been absolutely wonderful, you know, it's inspired us to do other things, and we look forward to inviting all of you to a similar event in the UK very soon. And David Norris, you know, spat his cornflakes into his bowl and went bloody hell. Um, and, uh, you know, this, this thing called the Invictus Games came out of it. It didn't have a name. There was no concept. There was nothing like that. And JLR had really lent into it to make it happen. And on the back of it, we then had the opportunity to, to, um, uh, to say to them, look, well, let's help you to do what you, you know, what you want to do, which is to 
um, access this this pool of talent. And there were lots of things that they were doing completely inadvertently, which were preventing them from from accessing it because they were offering great jobs, but then they were screening by prior industry experience or mm-hmm. um, uh, a degree, and they were getting rid of an awful lot of military candidates. They just weren't even seeing them. So. Um, the work which we started with them back really beginning in 2015 has seen over a thousand service leavers and veterans find their way into employment with Jaguar Land Rover. Uh, you know, and that when times are good and things are going up is fantastic. Um, um, when you find yourself in a sort of situation like now, actually, um, you're potentially helping some people who are being displaced and helping them find other places to go. And you're also um, helping to uh, highlight um, some perhaps novel and unusual areas that are in huge growth that desperately need people of quality and people of their qualities. Um, it, it's up to us to kind of, you know, find those and then illuminate those pathways and help people to uh, to be able to follow them. Because having a job is so important. You know, it's um, particularly, you know, when you're uh, when you're younger and you've got a family to support and all the rest of it, if you tick job, then lots of other things kind of fall into place and other things then become manageable. But without that, it can be really quite difficult. But in fairness, you guys take that step further because it's one thing to get a job. It's another to to be on the, a career path. Mm, and I, yeah, and I, exactly. I've seen a lot of the guys and girls that have, have been with you guys is that they're, they're not just getting a job and you're putting a sticky plaster over it. You're actually getting them a career. I mean, all the time, whenever I'm involved with you guys, I keep having the, the song and the mantra going through my, my head of give a man a fish and they'll eat for a day, teach him how to fish and they'll eat forever. And, and yeah. that just rings. Like a TVR, so he'll never get to where he's going. All of that, yeah. yes. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Tim Lazell is going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, it definitely rings true. And, and add to it, by the way, is that, you know, my um, my my dad is uh, uh, ex-Air uh, Force Royal Engineer on Queen's Flight. Uh, my father-in-law is uh, ex-military as well. My mum was a parachute packer in the RAF as well. In fact, uh, my my father-in-law was a zobbit, as my dad calls him. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, what I've seen is that the work ethic, down to the training and the discipline and everything, the work ethic, the values, the ongoing discipline that these military people have compared to myself probably included i've always said i can't live up to my dad's work ethic and that's been instilled in him from the military no it's um i mean i'm always a a bit uncomfortable about making generalizations but i think there are some things which you you can generalize about and those who join the military um at a young age are not generally motivated by money they've not done it to to get rich and instead they're doing something which um has other reasons to go to work as opposed to just the pay packet you're going to get at the end of the month. There's a um, there's a sense of pride and esprit de corps and all the rest of it. And so helping um, those kind of people to continue to scratch those itches, which are important to you, and sometimes it's really obvious, and sometimes it's not so much. I mean, we're all British, and it's all you know very understated, you know, our our sort of way in which we think about things, but. It's a really powerful drug to think that you're doing something that's making an impact, a positive impact in the lives of others. And when you and when you talk to soldiers, that sort of thing just doesn't drop off and go away at the moment when you get out. And that transitional period is really difficult because you're you're leaving one culture which is which is very not like the outside world, um, and then trying to establish yourself in something else. And there are some big differences between the two, and it means that they present themselves. And they look weird 
um, uh, because they use a different language to everybody else. So, um, and all of the HR tools which um, companies have at their disposal are typically bloody awful for establishing service talent from service not talent because they they all exist. You know, they, every there is a spectrum of people. But the standard HR tools to establish, you know, who is absolutely up here with, you know, who is who is down here, just are opaque, really. When when computer says no, and uh, well, <laughs> and the Jaguar Land Rover thing was a perfect example. A computer sift applied at an early level. If you didn't have certain things, then your CV wasn't read by a human being. But if that CV was read by a human being who doesn't know the military back to front then it's very difficult to understand a service CV because uh, firstly, it's written in the first person. And in your service career, you write about yourself in the first person, never. It just simply doesn't feature. So from the first moment of training, you're instead talking about we. And when you start to go up the scale, you do contribute towards writing annual reports and writing uh, progress reports on people, recommendations for promotion, things like that. Never for yourself. It's always for other people. And you're always commenting against how they are benefiting the team because the ultimate goal is that that we. Uh, so it means you know writing down your CV in terms that are glowing about how wonderful you were at something is something that's incredibly alien to anyone who served. So, I mean, so I, I commanded a squadron in the Royal Tank Regiment. I, I was very fortunate, so I did it twice. And yeah, that was a picture behind. So There's an Afghan one. There you go. Wow. Um, and for me to say that, yeah, you know, so I've got a picture of that lot in 1917 um, in uh, uh, in France. You know, same squadron, same tank name, same all the rest of it, incredible history. And for me to say that I'm the best squadron commander of that squadron that, that the Royal Tank Regiment has ever seen since 1917. Um, I was miles better than the guy ahead of me. The bloke behind me, you know, had a hell of an act to follow. I was head and shoulders the best squadron leader in the regiment at the time across everybody else. And the lads in the squadron would have been shocking if it hadn't been for my personal brand of inspirational, you know, get up and go that lifted them up every day. And so, I mean, it's just horrible. I mean, it sounds horrific. And you just, you wouldn't and couldn't and all of the rest of it talk in ways like that. Um, uh, and and it, therefore, it's very alien to when you're sat in an interview and somebody says to you, you know, when was the moment when you had pivotal effect that you, you know, your influence, all the rest of it was the thing that, that, that held things up and the first word out of your mouth inevitably is we we did this you know we did that what what are your achievements and you say well you know in so and so we did this and it you can't help it and so um you know the poor hr buggers who are looking in at this um that's not their world so they you know they it, it makes it really difficult to kind of see through that to going actually this bloke is exceptional because of x y and z you know this girl is um, is clearly brilliant because she's not talking about herself. Um, she's just talking about, you know, what the organisation of which she was part of did. And then, of course, there's the language. So like any trade, uh, you develop, you know, acronyms and language and all the rest of it. And the military is a sort of exaggerated version of that with a history yeah. that goes back quite a long way and it's full of weird stuff. And also it's very different between services. So I am hopeless with naval ranks, positions, all of the rest of it, because I've had very little exposure to it. So... Um, if somebody starts talking to me about, you know, sort of fish head stuff, then I have to go and grab, you know, one of my, <laughs> my naval colleagues who can then come along and comment. But army stuff, generally, I'm, I'm okay. So, um, uh, yeah, that's very difficult for them to understand too. And for the blokes, they don't speak industry HR speak. So they'll apply for a job. Um, 
but whether they actually know what lies behind doing that job and what that job actually feels like, and what it involves, um, they are throwing a dartboard into the dark, uh, throwing a, a dart into the dark, into the dark, just hoping it'll hit the right dartboard. Uh, let alone where on the dartboard it'll hit. So, well, well, I've always said, you know, in part of my open doors training, when it's public speaking and presentation skills and the media training, all those kind of things, is that um, the hardest thing for us to do is to stand up and present about ourselves, yeah. to sell ourselves. It feels uncomfortable. It feels awful, and that's just for us in the normal world then put yeah. it like you say that those that are, uh, are we and it's all about the team and it's about the country and it's about this to suddenly have to do that I, I don't think I'd fully understand it where the a big turning point for me was that I got commissioned to do uh, voiceover work uh, I, I can't remember the name of the organization now because it was probably a couple of years ago but it was basically they provided a mixture of a database and training for for military or ex-military yeah and the main thing was about putting a CV together. You know, this yeah, is yeah. something that they just yeah, didn't. No, you've never done it. No. no. And, and you've again, never done an interview very, either. And it's me-centric and, and all of that. And so the stuff that I was having to sort of talk about in this voiceover as, as part of their training, it would go with these videos and what have you. And I'm like going, wow, you, you really have to step back to enable them to step forward. No, and they, uh, they, it's exactly right. I mean, I got a real... I sort of saw that really quite early on when you started helping people. Like guys like Gary Dunning, and Gary was, um, uh, Gary, yeah, an amazing bloke um, who's just had an incredibly difficult journey and continues to. Um, but the last job he was doing in the military was because he was non-deployable. So he got sent to a job which he regarded just sort of away from, you know, as, as a um, just the thing that he'd been sent to fill his time in with. Um and he was putting his CV together for the first time, and you sort of, and he's like, "Oh, I don't know what to put in it." And I said, "Well, come on, Gary, you know, you're an amazing bloke. Sort of, you know, what do you do?" And he said, "Well, I'm a, I'm a pioneer, which is a trade which is has now gone. So it's a raw logistical pioneer. You know, what are they famous for doing? You know, digging latrines, uh, putting up tents, burying the dead, doing you know, sort of really difficult sort of stuff like that around the battlefield." And he's like, "I don't know how to put that into anything which will help me." Um, and I said, "Well, what are you doing at the moment?" Knowing the answer. Well, I'm, um, I'm the careers officers. I'm the career warrant officer at Innsworth, and Innsworth is the ARC, so it's the Allied Rapid Reaction Corps headquarters. It's full of all three services. It's full of eighteen nations. There's a signal battalion there that supports it, and it's sat in Innsworth in, in Gloucester. It used to be in Germany for many years. Now, now back in in just to be between Gloucester and uh, and Cheltenham, and um. And he was the careers management officer's, like, number two, right-hand man. So I said, okay, um, so how many people do you look after? And he went, oh, 280. And I went, how many job fields do they sit in? Because normally a job field manager would only manage one speciality. He's like, oh, I talk to lots. So I'm like, how many? So he's like, 14. Different, completely different job career structures he looks after, people of all different ranks. <laughs> all right, do you do interviews? Yes. Uh, do you do data entry? Yes. Do you um, make recommendations on people's, you know, promotion, jobs, courses, all the rest of it? Yes. Uh, how many people work for you? So, well, I've got two clerks, you know, and all the rest of it. But otherwise, it's just the the welfare officer and me. And I went, okay, what's the welfare officer's name? And he looked at me like I was mad and went, Jim, you know that post has been gapped. And it had been gapped for six months. So he was the man who was, you know, senior HR guy for 
280 people from 14 different things and all the rest of it, but would never have articulated it in those in those terms. Um, and uh, so our job is, I spend very little time sort of persuading the heads of industry about the qualities of service personnel that make them um, exceptional employees. Um, it's the blokes I spend all of our time, you know, sort of helping prize that out of them, you know. And and for those who who don't see that path through, I mean, some guys come out of service and and you know they're like a a rocket. They might ping off a couple of things on the way, but but they're always going to be successful. But uh, but for those who aren't, and for those who just need that little bit of help, you know, that's very much where we can have a role in order to shed some light and uh, and help steer them in the right direction. I love it. I love it. It's uh, it really is in, in, insightful. I mean, the thing that this shows is that Mission Motorsport. A lot of people sort of think, oh, it's it's for um, you know the the troops that have lost limbs and and all the visual things that we see. Yes, it is, but. It's also for those that uh, uh, have been affected psychologically, but equally, as you've highlighted there, it's like, no, do you know what? It is actually for everybody coming out of the military because they're institutionalized and you yeah. need to help them get back into, and apologies, this is a derogatory way of saying it, but the real world. Yeah, yeah no, it's not. It's, it's, it's exactly right. Because there's any, you know, the military is anything but the real world. So it, it, you're helping people. Our job as a, as a service charity um, we can articulate it really clearly. Our job is to make people successful civilians. So it's it's not about looking back. Um, you can provide some some squishy safety, security, easy things which will allow somebody who's lost to lean on. So it's it's very easy for them to recognise the things that they're familiar with when when they deal with us as an organisation because we speak that language, all that sort of service background. So. They can identify with that really well, but it's all about actually helping them not to um, uh, re-enable those 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 things. It's about becoming self-sufficient and becoming, you know, um, uh, both them and their families, you know, a, a functional member of of a broader society where they're drawing on that wonderful experience that they've had as being being part of the services, or bad experiences that they've had as being part of the services. You know, um, it's. Uh, there's a lot talked about post-traumatic stress disorder, which um, you know we we kind of know a lot about. Um, uh, but what what's not talked about very much is is post-traumatic growth. And it was you 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 know you kindly mentioned it in the um, in the intro. But it's it's normal and natural to be to be shaped by the experiences which you've had. It would be inhuman if you experienced um, major life events and major traumatic events without being uh, affected and impacted by them. Um, but that doesn't mean necessarily that it's a bad thing, um, particularly in the fullness of time. You actually see some people who've been uh, subjected to some actually extraordinary traumas who, who become better people as a part of it, more compassionate, more driven, better um, family, men and women. You know, it, it's... Um, uh, you, you can really be enriched by some of the things which happen to you. And actually, a sheltered life is one of the things that's most likely to lead to a, a blinkered outlook. Um, uh, and the smaller your bubble is. So, so it, you know, celebrate it, sod it. It's, um, you know, it, it can be it can be a really good thing. Um, and we just try and, you know, sort of light people up. The, the sporting piece, the shiny bit on the front end is, is to tease out those who are, who are most difficult to reach. Um, because it's it's quite a um, an intoxicating draw, you know the cool cars and cool cars and things like that. You know that's that's what we all love. 
So um, you, you use that to get them off the sofa and engage, and then you do all sorts of stuff with them that they would never have volunteered for if they knew what that was all what it was all about. We're, we're sort of pretty honest about it, but um, but yeah, around that central deceit, really, the uh, the charity's uh, based, and we're we're um, uh, we are really busy as a result of it, which is which is nice. Just making another note because that reminds me of something I'll bring up in a minute. I'm just going to, I'm conscious that, of course, we've had uh, people. Thank you for all the comments and questions that are coming in. Some that are just the usual. It's good to see. We've even got Stu Waite watching. Good man. Good to see you there. And so good. And uh, I think I told you, James, that uh, we're, we're on YouTube as well as Facebook for the first time tonight. Really? So Gerald Howe watching um, you through YouTube on the telly. Good we're man. On the big telly. Sorry, mate. Yeah. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, we don't look any better, do we? Um, uh, plenty saying dilly dilly and everything. Uh, oh, the birthday boy as well. And uh, Tom. Happy Davis. birthday, Tom. Yeah, happy birthday. And this is good, you see. This is a new thing. I know that he's put that message on YouTube because of that logo there. Compared to, for example, if we put this up, Gary Birch, you see that's Facebook. Great to see James Cameron on CCTV. Not the first time he's been caught on CCTV. Blessings <laughs> for Mission Motorsport. Going to miss the race of remembrance for a few years while posted overseas, Padre Gary. Right. Gary Birch is, well, has <laughs> been our race of remembrance Padre for the last two years, I think. Oh, two wow. Or okay. Three years. Um, so he only just made it back for the last one because he was um, on the NATO detachment in. Was it Estonia or Latvia? He'll 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 remember. But he literally bombed back from uh, uh, from deployment where he was, picked up his son, um, and and legged it straight up to the circuit in order to get there for a race of remembrance. So there was there was precious little sort of you know sort of Mrs. Birch time. It had to be said. Who was probably looking forward to seeing him come back, you know, and he was straight into race of remembrance. But I mean, Gary will tell you, and he's a he's a coom marshal of of many years, um, uh, and also a you know a service padre. Um, it's just some of the best racing. It's absolutely you know it's it's just a mega event. But but the racing is all is all incidental actually to the bit that Gary's at the centre of, which is you know it's this extraordinary and weird um, remembrance service that's incredibly poignant. Then with a twelve hour endurance race tacked on the end of it. Uh, and that's the key thing for anybody who's watching this that doesn't know about this every year uh, at Anglesey is race of remembrance is it november yeah so unfortunately yeah we're kind of tied to the date because it's a cross remembrance weekend so we can't move it to july or port and mayo um the, yeah. the, the latter for reasons of cost but a um uh, we've been at Anglesey i think this is the seventh iteration of race of remembrance which just seems Seems absolutely extraordinary. Um, it was always a ridiculous idea. It wasn't my idea. I should I should point that out. I've I've always thoroughly disapproved of it. <laughs> it it's um, uh, as a guy called John Earp, who um, we knew we were both still serving when when we met. He's a helicopter pilot, uh, and he was also transitioning out of service as well. Um, uh, did a lot with the MX Five kind of community, and John. Um, was about to take over North Wales Air Ambulance, so flying out of Carnarvon. So that's the air ambulance that's, you know, dodging up the side of Snowdon in horizontal wind and rain. Uh, and said, you know, Anglesey's my local place. And we had this incredible offer from Anglesey to have a weekend, effectively end of the year, which we could do with what we wanted. And I sort of thought, that's great. You know, we'll do a bit of ARDS instruction. We'll, we'll go up there because accommodation will be cheap at that time. And, uh, you know, perhaps run a track day or a passenger event or something like that. And John went, no, 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 we're, we're going to do a, an endurance race, which uh, just sounded like Guernsey launching a space program, frankly. 
I mean, the most stupid idea. Um, <laughs> firstly, it's us. You know, I, we don't. We're not. We're not race organisers. We're we're utterly focused on doing <laughs> stuff with broken people. Um, so that was a stupid idea. And the the other thing is Anglesey in November. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, it shouldn't take the brains of an archbishop to work out that this is this is a ridiculous and bad idea. But um, but but John's persistence was was absolutely extraordinary. And uh and and i think the first race we had something like 26 27 entries um and it was it was just quite extraordinary and the weather of course was extraordinary and then amazing and then extraordinarily terrible again but <laughs> yeah. then but then just the 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 skies cleared completely and and there was this sort of ridiculous blues brothers in the church kind of moment when um we got everybody together and we suddenly realized Christ, we literally got everybody the marshals are coming from the posts you know uh, the staff had come in from the building. The locals were coming in in order to come and stand in the pit lane together. And you had one of those ridiculous sort of, you know, like so surreal moments. It looks like something out of Viz. Um, <laughs> you're standing in a in a racing garage and there's some desperate activity happening on one side as somebody's turning a car around in order to be able to get it out. And there are, there are two elderly Welsh gentlemen wearing uh, blazers making their way through with a Hammond organ that they're carrying between the two of them. And, plugged it all in and then the sun came out and with, there was you know five six hundred people sort of squashed into just into the pit lane compressed in there a military padre wasn't gary on that that first occasion but i mean he'll tell you what it's like sort of stood up there it's just extraordinary um and and a welsh male voice choir and we're and we're doing a service of remembrance and they the blokes and the girls you know some of whom had never being able to face a uh, particularly something like a remembrance service as it you know, can be particularly poignant for anybody you know regardless of those who've been who've been to war um pinned on medals put on headdress some of whom hadn't done that since you know they left the service supported each other for those who were really struggling and then but that depth of feeling that goes all the way back and you still very much feel that today you know it's incredible um because you very rarely get the chance to do that mindfulness on that scale and silence, you know, um, and to, to do it in the form I've heard it really does people. grab you. Oh man. Yeah. It's extraordinary. And then just everybody together at that time. And it's just this, this incredible, this incredible thing. And then the lift, you know, come on, let's go racing. And we, you've stopped the, you've stopped a 12 hour endurance race behind the safety car, lined them up in the pit lane. And then you go, right, let's go back to it. And everything just switches on again. The marshals are back out, all the rest of it. And the race, they all go back out behind the safety car. And then, then the race continues. And it's uh, it's just extraordinary. And I stood there the very first time and just remember being incredibly moved. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there you go. Um, and I don't think uh, that gives it full justice, does it, to be honest with you? But it's just the one that I very quickly found from looking online. You know, Yeah, it is. Now, that was the one year where the weather was... And it was fine, actually. It wasn't too bad, but it was so windy. That's the one from where Chris Harris, so that's the very first poppy car, first Mark IV race car, 1.5 race car in Europe um, that was built specially for it. It was the, the first-generation poppy car, and that was driven by Chris Harris, now on Top Gear and lots of other things. Um, and a, a, a bunch of our beneficiaries who kind of built it and, and, and created it. And it was, uh, yeah, it's just the most incredible moment. And I remember just thinking, oh, my God, this is wonderful. And then my second thought was, I've got to do this every year now, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
that's that's it. I can't do Remembrance Weekend without this nonsense every time. And then my third thought was was just wanting to throttle John Earp, really. <laughs> I mean, um, it is. I've said to you many a times. It's one of those ones that it's it's at the moment. It's a regret that I haven't been able to be part of a commentary team for it because it just yeah. seems like. A, a wonderful thing, a wonderful cause, really emotional. Everybody I've spoken to who's been there, I was going to say including the non-military, but I'd actually say especially the non-military, yeah, yeah, it leaves a mark. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a proper thing. And, I mean, that's that's mighty, mighty impressive. So, uh, so all right, shall I give you some exclusives, Chris? Come on. Let's, oh, let's, yes, let's, give, let's, that, give, let's give the castle king. Well, so... Um, uh, some of the event that I've been helping out with for those on Facebook uh, has been a thing called Revs Limiter, which is a guy called Adam Gompertz, who he seems to have an awful lot of vicars. It's because it's a Sunday program. But Adam is uh, Adam is another vicar. He was the, I think, honorary chaplain of Aston Martin uh, for a chunk of time. He's an ex-car designer, an incredible artist. I mean, his work is just amazing. And he's currently the padre for Bista Heritage and Bista Motion, that amazing place. Um Adam pulled together a thing on Facebook a few weeks ago, which is effectively like a virtual car show, which has been joyous and has been running over the course of this weekend. And it's had over the two weekends when it's run, you've had everything from Peter Stevens describing, you know, McLaren design process to Matt Pryor, who's the road test editor of Autocar, um, doing a will it drift, an autocar will it drift uh, in his garage with two remote control cars that he's built up and played <laughs> with. So a real sort of lockdown-y kind of feel to it and just because of all the frustration that we're all feeling from not being able to get out and do the stuff that we love, um, which is really lovely. But we have a beneficiary called Jack Taylor who's um, ex-Royal Air Force um, uh, heavy engineer, which is engine sort of big stuff, airframes um, and all the rest of it, and who who was very badly injured in 2014, traumatic brain injury. Um, and Jack's a, an amazing bloke. He's, he's absolutely lovely. And he's one of those who's just found the most incredible progress over the last few years. And it's through things like Race of Remembrance that's really flicked his switch. And for him going into lockdown, it was particularly difficult. And But it was having a chat with our welfare team. They came up with a great idea, which is um, the um, uh, presentations for, for Race of Remembrance. Um, it, it, there was one year where I managed to get hold of, so I'd gone across to France and got hold of a bunch of First World War 18-pounder shells. So actually, there's there's one behind me. So come on, Chris, oh, yeah. you press you press buttons. Go go big yeah, screen. So that, that's big. an 18-pounder. It's been turned into a lamp, that one I brought back. So oh, wow, yeah. There you go, that thing there. So that bottom bit there is the cartridge case, effectively, for that 18-pounder shell. And we polished up some of those, engraved them, and, and they were the Race of Remembrance trophies, class trophies. And people just went nuts over them because they were 100 years old. There was real history behind them. We've done it subsequently again with another lot. We've done Tank Tracks was one. We've done um, some really nice um, uh, sort of dog tag kind of things, which, which have been individual prizes as well. But it was Jack's suggestion actually said, but you don't have a Race of Remembrance trophy, you know, or something which is handed on from winner to winner, you know, down through the years. Um, so he's gone away and made one. And it's just the most, I mean, it's the most incredibly gorgeous thing. So that that was revealed on a on a video, which is on the Revs Limited group or the Revs Restored group, which you can find on Facebook. So you just request all of the stuff is there. And if you search um, 
uh, uh, Jack Taylor, you will you'll find it. It'll come straight up. Jack's mad trophy truck, but also this beautiful thing. But we, I'm doing the interesting stuff at the moment around race of remembrances. We're looking to sort of go into it. So we're open for entries. There's already a chunk of um, of stuff which is gone. Um, but um, we've got some plans for some really exciting racing. We've had some interesting people taking part with it um, over the years. So Chris Hoy, um, uh, lots of touring car drivers who like to come along and sort of entertain themselves. Um, and we'll we'll probably be seeing some more of those again, which is, has been lovely. Um, but we're, we're going to bring some some interesting people. So the Frank Kitties, uh, Dario Marino, um, wow. already, I mean, they, they've been planning this year's Race of Remembrance since last year's Race of Remembrance. So wow. delighted to see them back on the grid, which is amazing. You know, go out, club race, in the dark, you can go club race, uh, endurance club racing, you know, through the night, um, into the dark against, you know, Marino, Dario Franchitti. We're bringing as well some some guys who've been medically discharged with post-traumatic stress disorder after really distinctive careers um, might be coming along as well. So if anybody watches SAS Who Dares Wins um, and has heard of a bloke called Jason Fox, then yeah, we've 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 got a job with Foxy in order to connect him up and uh, and and get him out on the grid for race of remembrance, which is really exciting. Wow! So this thing that you were going, ah, why did we get involved in this? It has just got even bigger. Yeah, and I'm even more going, why the hell did we? Yeah. <laughs> That's special. That is incredible. And I'm going to pick up on the other exclusive while we're talking exclusives here, is that you revealed to me um, that there is now, you talked about the prizes, but there's now a trophy that's going to pass on year on year. Yeah, and it's it's an absolutely, it's a stunning thing. And what I've not done is sent you the pictures so that we, we can get them up here. Do you think I can manage that in the background or not? Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you can find it and then you can do your share screen thing, that would work. That would work. Uh, how good are you at multitasking? <laughs> well, particularly multitasking. Yeah, no, actually. No. Let's, I'll, I'll leave that to uh, to Mrs. Cameron to answer that one. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's fairly We'll that's get that. But um, and that, said that. <laughs> that's... That's gonna that's gonna go up in um, uh, that'll go up. We'll get it up on the Mission Motorsport website. It'll go up on the Race of Remembrance website really soon too. But effectively, what what Jack's done is he's made this beautiful steel poppy uh, out of a load of reclaimed material that's um, um, that's uh, that's many years old, and it's just months of his sort of blood, sweat, and tears have gone into it, and he just he absolutely loves it. And it, but it's just a thing of beauty. So. Um, uh, yeah, you, you've just got to balance how good the prize is with the desire to have really good driving standards and people not to get too aerated about winning the thing. But it's on, very on a tricky course on the, the edge of the coast with uh, yeah. horizontal rain and wind <laughs> and and big undulation changes or, or all, whatever. It's, it's all, a, all of that and a mixed grid as well. So you've got yeah. a very fast, you know, you've got sort of um, caterums. Uh, the really quick stuff, some of the lotuses as well at the front of the field, bloody fast, you know, in all conditions. And then you see ones, Ford KAs, uh, BMW 116 trophy cars, you know, yeah. all the rest of it. And they're having massive ding-dongs as well, which last many laps, you know. So Absolutely. there's no such thing as a quiet light, uh, lap in race. Remember, so you're continually dealing with traffic that's, that, that you're overtaking and stuff, that, uh, and stuff that's overtaking you as well. And that's one of the things that makes it so, um, so engaging. How long was it again, their race? 12 hours. 12 so, hours from until? So you do on Saturday, it starts at um, uh, 3 p.m. and then runs into the dark at, at 9 p.m. But 
Yeah. Of course, Anglesey in November, you start at 3 p.m. and you're running for about 45 minutes in what could be described as daylight, and then it's dusk. So it, yeah. it absolutely has to be lights on and all the rest of it from, from that point. I mean, that said, you know, uh, always during the course of the weekend, you will have photographs, and you can't tell what year they're from because you'll have ones of utter horrific weather <laughs> and, and then ones that are just breathtaking. I mean, it's just absolutely extraordinary. Stunning. And it's, it's always been a thing, you know, are we going to take Race of Remembrance somewhere else? Um, and apart from my underlying desire to do Porto Mayo, um, <laughs> uh or vir or something like that i think you know that 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 could be quite nice but the um he, he, anglesey brings so much character to it as well that it's it sort of very much feels like like part of like part of race of remembrance so it, it it would take um something pretty spectacular for us to shift it elsewhere because it's uh it is so special uh remind me is it is it a relay race as well so in other words they it have is. their own cars yeah i thought as much well you've you've got both actually the predominantly the entries are proper endurance entry so single car multiple driver um okay. th that's what most things are that racing but we still have a relay class there which has seen uh so last year we had from the guys who run the market um based in abingdon just up, up the road from us in oxford uh they had a mixed team of a c1 and a Caterham. uh so and somehow the people who work out you know the clever things and the um uh uh, and the waiting to allow them to compete against the other relay teams figured it out. Uh, we had a load of Porsche 924s, um, absolutely brilliant, you know, sort of what's emerging on a historic race car now, you know, yeah. they, a load of those going around. Uh, we've had the Morgans for the last two years, and we know we've got factory Morgan entries and things like that running this year. That's very cool. Um, That's awesome. There's there's some there's some really good stuff to play there too. I mean, we what were we running last year? MX-5s, in inevitably, and Toyota GT86s, which um, the GT86 program has been really great because we've been putting guys on the um, on the team who have been going through our programs to go into jobs in retailers across the country with Toyota. So that Jaguar Land Rover piece has grown with that Mission Automotive Initiative. There you go. Which league is it? It's probably that one. Yeah. Mission Automotive Initiative, which is is all about helping um, companies, uh, large and small, to develop armed forces engagement schemes that work and are relevant for them. Um, and uh, with us, Toyota coming on board has been really exciting, Volvo, uh, and a bunch of others as well. But uh, like everybody else at the moment, we're sort of reacting to what's going on in the outside world. So, um, yeah, figuring out what the future looks like is, uh, is quite challenging at the moment. Which is a whole other area that we're going to go on to. Let me go back to the comments because I'm conscious that you're bringing sure. these in. Thank you. And please do, everybody, keep your comments and questions coming in. And it's both comments and questions because we've got our very own uh, medic, uh, paramedic, uh, Chris uh, Mason, even in all. Absolute hero, as we know. Um, good to see B&R specialist cars. they got some amazing cars to get out at your uh, race and remembrance, I tell you. Um, lots of Easy people impressed. Yeah. Fran Elson, uh, you impressed a lot of people with knowing it. Uh, uh, Chris Pearson, happy to support with motorsport photography. I left the mod nine years ago after 12 years surface. Service. Mega. Thanks, Chris. That's great. Mate, drop us a line. So team at missionmotorsport.org, um, especially for volunteering. Um, Look at that. Right Almost man, as right if... man there is Joey. Look at that. Team at missionmotorsport.org, down the bottom. <laughs> um, thank you. Yeah, please. Yeah, drop drop us a line. That's that's always, um, always lovely at these things. Um, Race of Remembrance, actually, um, Chris, just while you're, we're talking about photography, um, we've held photography competitions in the past because it it does tend to lend itself to things. Whether you're 
um, uh, just trying to get better at, at, at doing sort of passing shots and tracking and things like that. We've had a load of photographers at Race of Remembrance mentoring a load of beneficiaries who were all at different levels. So some of them are just literally iPhone. Others of them have got all of their own kit. They're really proficient and they're interested in in really nailing particular techniques or compositions or things like that. And so we've used Race of Remembrance as well as a kind of artistic development opportunity as well as stuff like that. And if you're interested in coming and playing at something like that, then uh, that that would be ace, particularly your background, mate. That would be brilliant. So there you go, Chris. Although I think I saw a message that you may not be with us now, but hopefully you're watching this back again. Uh, so that would be good. Um, uh, Tim Perry confirming it is an amazing uh, event and well-organized. And this one, thankfully, I saw earlier because it nearly brought a tear to my eye. My, my father is actually watching and my dad himself uh, said, uh, good evening, son. Hello, James. As an ex-military man, I would like to take the opportunity to thank you for all you do in giving ex-service personnel a purpose in life after having given the country their all. And as I say, that's, you know, someone nice okay. Yeah. And nice, uh, so that was, that's lovely. One of those nice moments for me as well. So uh, that's really cool. The person who gave me the most support is, is thanking you for your support, James. Um, oh, and Chris Pearson's actually said, is this the name? So your mum was a squipper, Chris. Is that what they call the uh, parachute packers, presumably by that? I never knew that, actually, but uh, I guess so. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. And either that or I've just congratulated him for offending my mum. I don't know. But <laughs> I'm sure you'll um, find out one way or another. Yeah, one, one day I will. Uh, our very own David Vass. Sorry, this is covering your face, so I'll bring it off in a minute. Uh, no, hi, James. Hi, James. I had the pleasure of being alongside you, James, whilst working with Ian Salmon and Johnny Palmer in the commentary box at Croft. I remember, yeah. Also, on other occasions, I worked with Max Coates. I was always impressed with the coaching and driving skills shown in the Mission Motorsport races. The races were pretty good, too. Thank you very much, indeed. Um, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, there is now a thing called the uh, the Armed Forces Race Challenge, which um, largely has been dragged up by a guy called Chris Slater. Um, Chris is amazing. He's a, a sergeant. I hope I haven't misranked him. He may have been promoted again in the, in the Royal Air Force. Um, uh, he, he's a... He's a great mate. I've known him for many years, and he's obviously still serving. Actually, he, he always likes to remind me. So I've I've got a sort of walking reminder in my household of how long ago it was when I was in Afghanistan, because Holly was born when I was uh, when I was last out there. So I've got this sort of sort of short opinionated reminder um, of when I was out there. But I flew back for her birth from um, through Kandahar, and Chris Slater was based at Kandahar at the time, and. Um, uh, for all I like to take the mickey out of the RAF for the fact that they have, um, you know, they live in Slipper City and they have an extremely comfy life. Uh, I had a nine hour stopover in Kandahar where everybody had an absolutely miserable time as they came back, Bastion, Kandahar and then Cyprus and then UK. And it's just horrible. You're in a sort of, you know, a hangar with some NAF camp beds and some uh, and some warm uh, mineral water to drink. And that was about it. Um, except Chris came and scooped me up and took me, and I went to TGI Fridays, went shopping in the PX, slept in a lovely bed, had a shower. It was great, and then got deposited back, literally at the last safe moment, just as they were walking out to the aircraft. And everybody who was military, including there were two brigadiers on that flight with me, who were just like, how do you get to do that? And you're like, no, it's just, it's important. It's who you know. So it is very important always to have good friends in the Royal Air Force. Um, Max Coates um, routinely gives his time for free in order to coach the serving guys who are racing in the armed forces race challenge. He's an outstanding man. He really is. So um, I've, I've got a huge amount of time for Max. He's a, he's a nice bloke. And I think what he's doing actually is lifting the standard of motorsport across 
uh, across the armed forces, and um, and that's something you should be really proud of. It's really cool. Oh wow! Okay, that's I didn't even know that. I didn't to that level. So that's great to hear. Yeah. Um, right, Miles Cooker said, "Crazy race of remembrance has been going that long. Didn't seem that long ago it kicked off. Would we'll join one year." Yeah, no, absolutely. It 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 is amazing. But yeah, come and join us. It's very cool. Don't know whether you'll know the answer to this, but uh, a young upcoming racing driver, uh, Alfie Gendel Racing, who uh, last year entered. I don't know if you've seen these games. They're like mini NASCAR that the the, the kids. Yeah, yeah, drive. scale yeah. scale ones. Yeah. Correct. And yet, uh, if if you go to America, they're unrestricted. They can go at like hundred mile an hour or something crazy like that. It's just nuts. But Alfie decided to give that a go last year. Won his first race and won the British Championship in his first year. So this young man, I'm 14 off the top of my head, uh, is you know destined for some good things. And I know his dad, Jeff Gendo, as well. Uh, how many people are you able to help a year? Good question, Alfie. So um, for wounded, injured, and sick, typically we'll hit about three to four hundred distinct individuals. Wow. Um, plus their families, but through our bigger training and educational programs and the stuff that we're doing. Um, we did more than 400 in a single day at Silverstone, for example, back in, in February. So um, increasing numbers, and we're getting asked to do more kind of all of the time. So as the, the charity sort of name and, and reputation grows and, and and things like Mission Automotive start to really pay off as well. Um, it, it means that 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 we're, yeah, we're, we're it's, an, it's an increasing body of people. And when I started, it was very much those I, you know, I knew everybody. Um, that was that was really straightforward. I mean, those days now are, um, uh, you know, I'm I'm scuttering about. I, I barely know what's going on. Um, there's an extremely competent team of people who are doing amazing work, and that's. Um, but it does mean that we're able to help an awful lot more people, and that's um, and that really is fantastic. Good and it is constantly changing isn't it because i know over the years you and i have touched on uh you know areas that you thought i may be able to assist mm. you guys uh and and that's just never happened not because of the lack of desire but just because it's like actually we're off doing this we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this and that just showed me how quick and how much is going on amazing yeah. amazing stuff so well done alfie great question uh he also said uh Let's bring that one up. It's a bit bigger. If you have something like a family's fundraising day, I would be happy to bring my race car along yeah, for kids really to well, sit in for a donation to help raise funds on the day for you. Tom Davis. Come on, it's yes. your birthday. Come yeah. <laughs> he can't even see now, so don't say that. It's going to be true. too pie-eyed. I distinctly remember that I yeah. said that. Now is the time that we need to hit Tom up. That's true, Alfie. yeah, exactly. Now is exactly the time. It's his birthday. He's in a good mood. Let's Let's make all of this happen. It's a great it is. And, and I know, um, uh, you know, Chris Hignall is another one that's that's worked with you uh, in the past as well. And I'm mm. sure there's a few others. And it's like, with, without question, you know, sadly, of course, some of the events that we would potentially be able to do things yeah. aren't even happening at the moment, a subject that we're going to come on to in a minute. Um, and, you know, it's... It, <laughs> It, things like this is is impressive and that's another reason why team at missionmotorsport.org is on the bottom there is that drop a line because if you are at least volunteer and volunteer ideas i think you said james as well didn't you to some extent yeah absolutely because you'll sift through and you never know so well done alfie thank you my friend that's lovely uh someone who i think you've worked with uh tony dixon uh swamp thing uh so and certainly he was obviously our guest on the show. What was that now? Two weeks ago. And he says, sorry, I'm late. Always, always the monster truck boys, isn't it? It is. He'll be, uh, 
Yeah, he'll, he'll have driven over a number of things to get there, though, so yeah, you exactly. can't criticise him too much. Uh, uh, Tony, Tony's awesome. Actually, in Tony, there was some, some mega interaction between Tony and Jack Taylor. So Jack's the lad who's made this Race of Remembrance trophy, but I got to go visit Jack's workshop, and he's talked about this thing for ages, uh, which is this um, highlights that he was doing. And you realise, actually, it's um, um, he's turned it, he's basically he's built a trophy truck, so it's got, you know, sort of... 12, 16 inches of suspension travel, sort of front and rear and all of the rest of it. It's just amazing. And these Tacoma body kits on the front and back, all of it's his own fabrication. So he's just done all of it really from, from his head. And this is a guy with a traumatic brain injury. So everything that's been done on that truck has probably been done four times because he'll have done it and he'll have gone, no, that's not right. And he'll undo it then and then redo it in a, in a slightly different way. And he's used it as his therapy. Um, and it was joyous actually connecting the two of them on Facebook um, today because obviously swamp thing i mean that you know that that's just the most extraordinary yeah and tony had immediately noticed something on the car that he's just like you, you're gonna have to do something with jack and i've spoken about it and now what i want to do is join up tony and jack so so that uh yeah we just a, you know, a bit of mentoring i think from swamp thing would be would be amazing that'd be very cool they are tony you heard it here first so uh make sure you get that sorted uh tim perry sadly i can't uh, copy and paste it but if you're on facebook and you look in the comments tim's actually put a link to the uh, trophy in question um which brilliant. is absolutely brilliant so do have a look all of you saying that was impressive um and there we go jackie Fay saying from the start of lockdown coom tv i thought james would make a great guest so did I, Jackie, and and it was always going to happen as far as I was concerned. Always interested to hear what Mission Motorsport is up to and very happy to support such a good cause. Keep up the great work. And by the way, I have to say to people, thankfully, is that, you know, I kind of took half advantage, James, I suppose, didn't I, in the fact that you and I know each other and I contacted. But what I have to yeah, say fun. above all is I asked James in a message, instant reply, yep, when do you want to do it? Any chance this Sunday? Yep, no problem. Mrs. C has said I'm allowed to. That was the honest answer. Mrs. C said he was allowed to, yeah. and that was it. And and that's the point is that that you will go out of your way to to sort of like spread the word of the the amazing work that you not just you as you've rightly said your whole team is doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they are doing some some absolutely extraordinary work, and it's you know, and increasingly it's it's my job to. Um, make sure that the organisation is going in the right direction, and to uh, and just to kind of help steer um, and to shine a light as well. Because I think we've always been guilty since the beginning of just being very busy doing things um, and and not spending enough time, to be honest, uh, talking about them. So every time you know people come to see us or come to visit, they're they're always kind of amazed at just how um, at just how you know. Uh, uh, they didn't realize how much you did or all of the rest of it um uh and and frankly that's because we're we're probably not getting our comms right we're not getting it out there so that that has to be my piece um and also um inevitably these days fundraising which i think is probably the thing i'm worst at um but uh but uh, yeah unfortunately that's um uh that has to be sort of part of my role as well so um yeah i'm i'm a busy boy but the opportunity to come and talk and particularly to this community um it it's absolutely ace and and it is that community you said at the beginning you know we have spotted an opportunity to use community to unlock potential in individuals and you help them to show that you know life isn't over and that they can find those kind of um amazing relationships with others um outside 
the armed forces community and um, uh, and as a uh, civilian community of people who who share this love of motorsport. And that's um, and that's a really wonderful thing. No, absolutely, and hence uh, Tim Perry. And I'm pretty sure this is when you mentioned about the the numbers. Wow, amazing work! It's so good to hear how much you're helping our people leaving the forces uh, humbled. Uh, I'm, I'm. You probably understand the end of this more. Uh, Jed Daw says, "Dilly dilly per adieu." I don't know if that's another military. That, that's uh, very just much sworn, a light, that's a, That'd be a light blue thing. No, per adieu. There you go. Through hardship. Fine. Okay. That's uh that's an RAF regiment piece. I, so Paradio or Astra, there you go, is the Royal Air Force, which is through hardship to the stars. Uh, okay. Like sure it. But but the RAF regiment who don't get to do the bit off the ground, they just have the Paradio. Um, because they have the difficulty of um uh of putting up with penguins and green jobs and anything else that they might want to call the rest of the military um <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to see you, mate. There you go. And that inter- inter-service uh, rivalry is is always uh, yeah, is always a feature of Mission Motorsport events, one way or another. It's got to be, hasn't it? Although they try to be going uh, try try force and all that sort of thing is becoming more of a thing. My wife's a physio for for the MOD over yeah. at, over at Lynham, which of course is sort of gradually becoming more and more about you know multi-force and yeah, it's, it's intri- intriguing and probably turns people you, you cold because that rivalry is supposed to be there, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it is now. It's 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 absolutely important. You know, it's uh, it's it's really good. Um, it, although to everybody else, you know, it sounds like you know the Judean people's front up being upset about the people's front of Judea. But yeah, they're right. That kind of stuff matters. It does absolutely. absolutely. You'll never see Oxford and Cambridge becoming friends on the boat show. So oh, uh, the boat race, should I say? Chris Mason, our paramedic, being in able the med to get oh, TV on a smart TV in a med centre. That means it was worth getting it up onto uh, YouTube as well. By the sounds of that, I hope you're enjoying that. Uh, Tony Dixon, I love helping out with uh, uh, Mission Motorsport, and that is just wonderful to see. Now, I, I said that I was going to come on to this, uh, James, is that <laughs> the reason Coombe TV started is because, uh, you know, uh, Tom and Sam's idea and me on board instantly to sort of reach out and try to be as supportive. You called it the community, the Coombe community, right. uh, and it's gone across the country. We get plenty of the, uh, the the Nickerbrook hardcore from Alton Park on and all that sort of stuff as well. And it is about supporting. That said, you guys have had a torrid time about how on earth you are able to still keep providing that support, let alone the events that would be raising awareness, raising money during this lockdown. I mean, how how have you coped? Well, uh, that's a really good question. So, I mean, we we were an unusual organisation in that um, uh, for a charity is that we we didn't have anybody uh, in the charity who even had fundraising in their job description, let alone a fundraiser, until we were five years old. And it was it was really because. Um, uh, a part of it was back to that, you know, the last thing I ever wanted to do was make another bloody service charity. The 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 last thing that I wanted to do was to be um, in in competition in any way or doubling bureaucracy of what's already being done elsewhere. Um, and it, I wrote a paper for MOD at the end of 2011. So I was, you know, I came back from Afghanistan in May. I think we, we had a master on the grid of... Um, uh, Silverstone 24 Hour in 2011, um, uh, which which was just this incredible sort of learning process, really. And then blokes getting offered jobs out of the back of it, you start going, crikey, you know, this needs to be done properly. So at the end of 2011, um, 
I, I sort of said I wrote a paper for MOD. That sounds very grand. I was ordered to write a paper for MOD. So it's like, right, Cameron, stop being a pain in the ass. <laughs> um, make some recommendations. You know, you know, you know what you're talking about. Nobody else does. So, so you know, do it properly. So I, I actually I went out and visited the Armed Forces Disabled and Adaptive Ski Team. So I went out to just uh, spent my own money, went out, visited them, talked to the people who sort of run that and worked out, you know, how they organized it, how they managed to make the money work and what it was all about. And I was really sort of struck how everything was was actually, it, was, it wasn't about skiing. It was actually underpinned by recovery goals. And that was a really important thing. Uh, visited Toe in the Water, you know, down on the South Coast. It was a lovely charity that was teaching people to sail and looked at lots of examples, you know, good and bad. Um, uh, you know, sort of driven as well by some, some experiences where some lads have had a really horrific time. Um, um and some of that just through innocence and uh, and also because you know there will always be people out there who are keen to exploit that who see um opportunity in um in other things and see routes to being able to secure funding and things like that and also you know the worst kind sort of see some of the lads who who were the operationally injured ones who'd had payouts as as commercial opportunity you know um and uh, and I really wanted to stop them spending their own money, you know, where they didn't have to. So I wrote a paper for MOD at the end of 2011, and that then led to the creation of Mission Motorsport, the Forces Motorsport charity in in March 2012 at, at Thruxton, um, and the Tedworth House Recovery Centre. They're they're about two miles apart, so it was, and that's the big recovery centre, the, the centre of everything. So that was that that first launch was there it was all volunteers at that time we had our first member of staff started a couple of months later uh, there was a lady called sue who was responsible she was the charity coordinator it was responsible for um ensuring that the records of exactly what we did with who were complete um and uh, and to do all the communication with beneficiaries um and it was some two years before i really came on to um, um as a member of staff but it had really grown an awful lot by then um and it was certainly for me getting out of that time. It, um, I, I never thought I'd end up doing it, to be honest. I had a perfectly good job lined up doing something else. But um, it's funny how these things work out. Isn't it? <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, lo and behold, we we are where we are. But the um, help for heroes, the support for help for heroes, the Royal British Legion, walking with the wounded at the outset was really um, what held the, you know, is what held the charity up. We were a delivery organisation. So we're all about delivering that recovery impact um and the the job of fundraising is really picked up by those with a big fundraising profile elsewhere you know to be able to do that and that loss of a big that big support from other charities was always top of our risk register and it came true really in 2018 um and so we've had to be quite light on our feet um and work out okay how can we be a proper charity and support ourselves as opposed to just rely on others to do it um, and uh, a lot of that fundraising comes about through through events. Um, uh, so in March, you know, when sort of lockdown kind of reared its head, you you're then looking at um, uh, a kind of an extended period where you can't fundraise in lots of the ways where you would have done. So it's it's particularly difficult, you know, um, uh, because the the need of the beneficiaries hasn't gone away. And while we can furlough. Um, you know, those who are, uh, you know, basically the guy who runs the workshop and the fleet, um, it's less appropriate to furlough some of those who who are just flat out, you know, do, doing things, whether it's taking a lot of our 
um, engagement opportunities, we've gone online. So, you know, I've now I've got a steering wheel, which I you know, managed to persuade Mrs. Cameron is part of my job. She doesn't believe me. I don't get to practice on it, and so I'm rubbish. So every time I go on, I get beaten by everybody, which they <laughs> think is hilarious. Um, uh, but um, it, that online offering, so we're on Xbox, where there's a PS4 community. I mean, some of it is the organized events, which we do. So Thursday nights, and we do, you know, through 27 races, it's great. It's just all about democratizing sport and communities getting together online and having having a laugh. I mean, it, and it's it's great. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, but of course, if somebody goes on at different times, because you'll have made friends as soon as you go on your Xbox or whatever, it tells you who else is on and what game they're playing. And and that then spreads out. And you suddenly start impacting lots of people because you provided that lightning conductor. It then just starts reaching out tentacles and you start joining communities of stuff up as well, which is really cool. Um, and we've we've just had some great times actually doing that. So it's accelerated a load of those programs. But I mean, we've been spending money on equipment, getting it out to people, and we've we've even had some of our you know our real warriors are doing eye racing, and uh, we're currently leading the inter services Formula One championship. So they're they're running a proper Formula One. It's the full 2019 season on F1 2019, uh, and they're running the full season. I think we're about three quarters of the way through, and we're currently. Uh, Craig Tostevin, who's one of our drivers, is currently leading the championship. We're leading the team's championship and the constructors' championship as well. So, and that's against the the navy. Well, no, that's the interesting thing. So, it's against the British Army esports Formula One team, whatever they are. It's against the Royal Air Force, and it's against the maritime one. And it's, the reason it's against the maritime one is because the Royal Navy haven't really got their heads around yet doing esports <laughs> and, and haven't let that into it but it is the inter-services and we're we're basically running a veteran team so there's five lads and they're all you know one of them's missing two legs one of them's missing one legs they're all a couple of cans short of a six-pack and they're having a great time they're just having a really good time and then that you know you end up with blokes doing formula e on the back of that which is is mind-blowing it is i mean it's been massive hasn't it we've just had the uh the le mans 24-hour virtual over this weekend i checked in a few times and it was just incredible i'm commentating on sim racing later tonight and on tuesday night and on wednesday night and you know it, it has just taken off and this here much to my wife's disgust is that i've got a little sim set up as well but i'm All like right. you i'm like you james i'm terrible at it and what murray walker says those that can do it those that can't talk about it yeah well that <laughs> That sounds about right. Look, so if I can manage to share that screen, I don't know if that's working for you. There's a oh yeah, uh, I see it now. Yeah, there you go. Here's a, here's a bunch of stuff which is is on our website. That's uh, Lionel O'Connor. Funnily enough, he's also the guy who led the um, uh, the autosport team that that did so brilliantly in Caterhams and Morgans, the precision driving display uh, in the live action arena in front of you know crowds of eight and a half thousand people. Um, and we put the band of the Irish Guards doing a um, <laughs> a uh what do you call it it's like a um oh fanfare basically fanfare to yeah. band of the Irish Guards into the arena and then did 120 mile an hour closing speed crosses you know in between the ranks of them just to sort of make it a bit more exciting um, and it, they nearly deafened me by the way because I was in the grandstand and they came up behind me with that blooming horn <laughs> yeah yeah, no, it is. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic. So there's a bunch of stuff there on our website. You can go and have have a look through. But there's a particularly cool video which was was made by um, by the Formula E lot, um, uh, who did uh, who did an absolutely uh, a cracking job of that. Both Lionel and Gareth went through, and Gareth was a guy who did um, Dakar in 2013. 
um, with with race to recovery um, as as a mechanic, and they, he's he's an amazing bloke, and he's he's really good. And to be honest, that that's still the joy of my job. I absolutely love it because they're really cool. I'm so lucky because um, I get to work with with soldiers and sailors and airmen, and that's that's an amazing privilege. It's just brilliant. And to be honest, if if I'd have so I did 17 years, which which you know felt like quite a long time. If I'd have stayed in, I think I probably had about another 15 years left to do. Um, but I wouldn't have got much actual working with soldiers. You know, I'd have been increasingly disappearing into big headquarters like MOD or, yeah. or land command and stuff like that. And one of the real joys of my job, um, as it is for anybody who gets to do motorsports instruction, actually, is that time with people, which is is just brilliant. And when they're people who you're just in awe of, it's even cooler. Yeah, I mean, I you know, to a much lesser extent, I can relate to that is the fact that, of course, most of the time I'm locked away in a commentary box. Yeah. But when I host things like the uh, the racing school and things like that, when you're with the people, it's just so much fun, isn't it? And you get to actually interact. interact. So, no, I can understand that. Um, okay, so lockdown has been a nightmare in the fact that the you know there's not been as much there. The, the requirements still been there. We touched on when you and I were chatting is that there's an aim for a, a karting thing mm. once we get going in some way, which that side is looking like that could be fairly close. What's this? Well, we... Um... Obviously, we've taken a load of our uh, of our kind of sportering offerings online, but um, we've uh, we've been starting to look at you know what are the first things that you're going to be able to do as you come out of restrictions, um, and to be able to you know do our our traditional model of being able to put people in passenger seats alongside people or or to do instruction is still really difficult, and we know that that's still some way off. Um, and I think it's difficult, really. Uh, I, it, it will come and we'll absolutely get there, but it's just not now. So not the first things that are going to be happening. Whereas uh, you look at go-karting and uh, the ability for somebody to turn up and do an arrive and drive and get behind the wheel, it's a very easy thing to do. Even with indoor karting centres, they are not small places by the nature of the stuff which they have. And it's very easy to get the hygiene right for a thing like that. Um, there's a, a company called Team Sport yep. who are just extraordinary. So they've got 36 race circuits across uh, across England, uh, three of which are then up in Scotland under Scott Cart, but it's all part of the same family. Um, uh, it, it, fantastic stuff. A lot of them are on electric cart indoor, um, uh, yep. indoor kind of things. Um, and also, of course, we're, we're great friends with, you know, Thruxton and have a, have a good re- relationship there. And Daytona as well sat in, um, uh, sat in Milton Keynes. Yeah. yeah um, you know, I mean, they're great friends of ours. Actually made the introduction to us to, um, uh, uh, to Team Sport. And also uh, Three Sisters, where we, we've got a great relationship with the circuit. We run a day there up at Three Sisters um, every month for veterans. We mix it up, do different things every time. Um, and so that gives us a total of 40 circuits. Wow. And what we are going to do in July is to run a mission motorsport recovery event and fundraiser. Um, it won't be simultaneously, but it, they'll be pretty close together and we'll run 40 events across the UK. Each one will be providing the opportunity for up to five beneficiaries to be able to um, to participate. So, you know, potentially over 200 people getting to go go-karting um, at the earliest opportunity. Um, and the way it will work is is around a, a standard offering that typically is 35 or 40 pounds for somebody to come along and do a corporate um, gig go-karting. 
um, it, you go along, there's a bunch of you, or you, you know, turn up and race against others to do uh, practice, a decent qualifying, and then a proper race, you know, you know, a good sort of 25 minute, half hour race, enough for you to get out with arm pump and lies. <laughs> you know, that's, you climb out of a go-kart with two things, don't you? So you've got like massive forearms because yeah. we've been having like to grim death and lies is the first thing that you do whenever you come out it's like oh no there's something wrong with it all the rest of it i let yeah. you go <laughs> you know all the rest of it i'd have had you i'd have definitely had you it was, it was your fault, not mine <laughs> all of that i get you know i i I'm, I'm certain this was a was an anti-clockwise track you know when we started it with all of these they're all absolutely lies but um uh but to do that safely with all of the right hygiene steps in place, with all of the right social distancing in place, and to enable beneficiaries to be able to do it. And normally these things are 35, 40 pounds in order to be able to do. Um, uh, team sport, the other things, are, are, we're basically doing a deal. We'll do it at 30 pounds, um, which is a great offer for somebody to come along and, uh, and throw themselves into. Particularly, we're after coordinators. So anyone who can sort of go, that's my local circuit. I want to run an event there. I reckon I can fill 15 places. It's kind of what we need, and we'll put beneficiaries into the other ones. Thirty pounds ahead—that's an awful lot of fun um, to be able to do for you know a couple of hours in the morning or an afternoon. And what you'll be doing is you'll you'll be helping people get back amongst it again. You'll get to meet with the right distances in place. You'll get to meet a bunch of our beneficiaries, help them back onto the track, and um, all of the proceeds, all of the proceeds, are, are coming back to the charity. So hopefully, it'll be. Wow. Yeah, it'll be a useful fundraiser as well, but a great bit of partnership to do in order to kind of kick us off at the earliest possible opportunity to be able to uh, give people the opportunity to get out and do stuff and help our beneficiaries. And so we would love to hear from you. And again, it's that it's that team at Mission Motorsport email address. Um, Mark Jordan, Joey uh, in the office is is pulling together uh, a sort of team to to do all of that. Um, and we've got some tracks as well where particularly where we've got kind of pockets of real volunteers and folk who who do stuff with us who are already saying we can do more than one event. So um, uh, that's that's kind of possible, too. So if you go and have a look at the team sport distribution or if you're a Wigan way, then that's the three sisters. If you're a Milton Keynes, that's Daytona. Uh, clearly, if you're, you know, sort of Tidworth, uh, Thruxton, that neck of the woods, then 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 that kind of that kind of works. Are you still looking out for more circuits that might be able to do this, or have you got your quota? No, absolutely. We'll we'll still be keen. Um, there's some amazing um, circuits out there that play such an important role in in British motorsport. Um, the the flip side of this is too is that we're telling a story that these things are open, um, and that's really important too for organisations like Team Sport, for Daytona, for Castle Coombe, for all of those who are out there providing. The, the best way which we as a charity can kind of give back to these places is to help them tell their story of we're open for business. Come and spend your money here. Come and compete, come and train, come and um, engage and enjoy and all of the rest of it. And anything where we can use our profile in order to, to be able to help that and to bring some people along who perhaps otherwise wouldn't have come, but because it's a charity thing, they'll come and do it. And they look around and they go, do you know, this is brilliant. I'm going to come back here with the family, with my workmates, with whoever it might be, and and, and do the next thing. Um, because we've we've all got a responsibility to, frankly, get things going again. Um, there's There's been a tweet that's been bouncing around quite a lot today. I can't remember who, who pushed it out initially. But amongst the doom and gloom of the, uh, you know, uh, UK GDP dropped 20% in in May, 
um, uh, has been, you know, some voices going uh, as a different way of putting that, which is to go, despite all of this, absolutely. 80%, 80% of the country is still absolutely up and running. We've got this. Let's lean into it. Let's go for it. Let's support our grassroots businesses. Let's let's support our um, uh, our venues, our events, all the rest of it, and let's promote recovery because it has to come from within. You know, it has to come from with within a mindset and a drive and all of the rest of it. And so we we've got a role to play in that. And we feel that really strongly, and so we're we're keen to promote it and. You know, and a community stuff like this, you know, where you're talking to a Castle Coombe community and that spills across into other things, you know, it's on us, guys. You know, it, it, it matters to us. So let's let's make it work. Well, if anybody of you have got contacts, I know we've got the Castle Coombe carton, we've got M4 carton just the other side of the M4, we've got Swindon carton uh, just that direction from where I'm sat right now. Yeah. And that's just in our neck of the woods. And it's like there's so many of us that would love to get out. And I'm sure that, you know, a lot of our drivers that haven't been able to get out is to get them along to this. And wouldn't that encourage you guys as spectators and marshals and everything else, and myself included, if some of our saloon car drivers, our Formula 4 drivers, our GTs, our hot hatches, if they were out there as well, and you knew that all the money that was going there was going to Mission Motorsport at the same time. What a phenomenal day. We're going to meet some beneficiaries on the day. Uh, it, it's just amazing. And like you say, we can't do the side-by-side. -side, hence, we're not even running things like the motor, uh, you know, the racing school at Coombe yeah. or anything like that. Because you can't have side-by-side. -side. No more ARDS license um, days no. or anything like that. This suddenly takes you away from that. You're on your own. Phenomenal. I don't know about you, but I haven't done one. I've been out in a car since my stag do, I think. Uh, <laughs> Which yeah, no, I mean, it, it, is, it is the grassroots basics of, of, of everything. Absolutely. So you're absolutely right. So, I mean, I have the challenges and arts instructor, you know, where we do have some people, one of whom might look like Jason Fox, who you've got to do some car handling and control stuff with. One of the first places you can, you can put them is into a go-kart and absolutely get them doing that. So please, it, it, I mean, great line about all of the racers out there to go go-karting. If this is an event that I am attending, I don't want any of you there. Can we please, can we just have, you know, dinner ladies, ground staff? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Chris, because he hasn't done it for ages. You're, you're very welcome, mate. You yeah. can come along. Because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hopeless. So, yeah. <laughs> you're much more my level. I agree. I agree. What a phenomenal. I'm really excited about the, the possibilities there. That sounds really, really cool. Um, we talked about, obviously, Mission Motorsport struggling during this lockdown. What I also want to pick up, and I apologize because I know that you're all about the we, and I'm going to talk about you for a second now, but I've seen the videos. You've been volunteering during this and been out delivering uh, medical supplies. Is, is that right? Medical yeah, no, and and more. So, I mean, it's it really one of the things when we, we went into lockdown, you – we're looking at, well, what's the impact on the beneficiaries, you know, and it's it really difficult. So you have got some who've, um, who actually really come of age when things are difficult and, and, and actually they're, they're struggling with normality. And as soon as you put them under tension, they're fantastic. But there are others for whom social isolation and things like that is incredibly hard. And people, particularly, you know, when you're sat at home and uh, it might be furlough or uncertainty or all of the rest of it can be can be really corrosive. And also, I mean, we're almost kind of over it now. We're almost immune to it, which is horrible. But the the deluge of information that was coming at the front end 
about uh, the nature of um, of the challenge that we we faced was almost becoming overwhelming. I think for a lot of people too. And so a lot of our um, communications with our beneficiary audience has been around actually empowering them and to to help them to not feel helpless, but actually feel empowered that they have a role to play, um, both within their own households, um, in the standard which they set and the exemplar which they set to other people as well, and to look after their own families. And then to look just broader than that, just a little bit further outside to look at your communities your broader family, particularly the elderly and those who are struggling with isolation, you know, what can you do to lean forward into that? And whether that's through, you know, local Facebook groups or apps like Nextdoor, which are connecting you normally to people complaining about stuff, but the, um, the, the there is a role that people can play there that's incredibly positive and, uh, and forward leaning. And then one step beyond that is, is really into volunteering and how can they make an impact? Um, uh, there is an amazing organization. So um, the, they've just gone through a name change. It's always um, difficult when you're in the spotlight. But there was a thing started in America called Team Rubicon, which was all about using ex-military people to, as disaster responders. Like very much front end in very early. And, and the concept of this is you get them in really fast just to kind of make sense and to make some quick differences on the ground with no huge resources around them. Those are the guys who are handing over to the likes of the Red Cross coming in behind them with big resources, big money and all of the rest of it. But they're the ones that have that real um, ability to deploy incredibly quickly and to have impact and and to draw heavily on an ex-military audience to be able to do it. Team Rubicon UK was then started up with sort of UK offshoots of it. And it's just rebranded itself to um, Op React, R-E, um, uh, colon A-C-T. And it's um, an amazing organization. And those guys have been at the center of really what is a mobilization of Britain's veterans in support of the fight against COVID. So uh, these are the guys who are um, uh, training NHS responders in the use of PPE um, uh, or doing some of the behind the scenes jobs that you don't see going on, like behind the Nightingale hospitals and behind some of the NHS hospitals, they're running the mortuaries that have had to be set up in order to be able to keep the um, uh, coronavirus um, uh, um, uh, dead apart from uh, the rest of the system. So um, you've got some guys there who are doing some some really difficult and harrowing sort of long-term jobs um, and largely drawn from the veteran population. So we've been encouraging our guys, you know, to be to be getting involved in stuff like that because it helps you have that feeling of meaning. Um, you know that of of you, you've made an impact which has has positively affected the lives of others, and it's a a wonderful way in lockdown. I mean, you know, we're all starting to feel stir crazy, stuck stuck at home and stuff. And getting out, being part of a small team, and doing something really positive is good. Um, and we've also been doing stuff like uh, delivering to um, ambulance stations, so helping with PPE delivery. So. Um, that's my neck of the woods. So I live um, not far outside Newbury. So um, uh, doing South Central Ambulance Services, doing uh, runs for them, dropping off PPE into um, ambulance stations has been really good. And the weird thing is, because you're out doing that, you then get, I'm sure, you know, lots of people um, enlisted and got the NHS Responder app, which will never, ever go off if you, unless somebody basically keels over in your front garden. So if you're if you've stayed at home, um, if, if I look at it here, basically somebody would have to have a heart attack basically in my house in order for me to get a 50% chance of a call out. But as soon as you're out and on the road, um, it might well be that you're closest to, to somebody as you go through. So um, 
because we've been out doing the PPE stuff, we've also been doing a lot of NHS responder stuff. Um, and they're all quite clever, these apps. So the more you do and the more you're, you know, you grade things as a positive experience and they grade it as positive, the more you kind of get asked to do. So we've got beneficiaries out there who've got sort of extraordinary profiles, incredibly busy. Um, and, and they're doing it because um, uh, as much as anything else, it's keeping them sane, but it's making a, making a difference on a national scale. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, that's, that's been great, actually. I've, 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 really, I've, I've really enjoyed doing that and being able to, to share it with everybody else. Um, I'll just, uh, there's another piece, um, if you'll forgive me, just um, showing the website. But uh, uh, this is something we were out doing um, uh, really recently, which is uh, the extension of one of our um, uh, relationships with, with Mazda UK. Uh, handing him over to their Team Rubicon volunteers. That's actually Darren Langevelt, who's an amazing bloke, runs um, uh, Coventry Motorfest, amongst other things, and Destination Nürburgring. And these guys are Team Rubicon regional volunteers who are now coordinating testing routines, which are going into old people's homes in particular. Uh, we got a fleet of Mazdas out in order to be able to support. And that's great for us. You know, it's extending a, a, a commercial relationship, a sponsor relationship, from us to another service charity, but it was absolutely worth doing. You know, that's a, that was a great day out. I think it was something like 4,000 miles we drove um, in order to get them all out to the ends of the earth and then collect everybody and bring them back in. Um, and then we've just done a very similar thing with a, a fleet of Land Rovers again to um, uh, going out to regional coordinators to be able to, uh, uh, so that they can make an impact in the community. Stuff like that, uh, amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's really good. It really, really is, really is. And that's why uh, I had to bring it up because I'd, I'd seen the stuff that you were doing and it was great to see and many others doing it. And, and in fairness, we probably got to consider that they're going to need some kind of support after all of this again, aren't they? Because of the things that you guys are all seeing and, and party to. Uh, Joe Shingler says, I wear your Mission Motorsport badge on my pro bands with pride. XRN, so X-Royal Navy. Um, Thanks, Joe. Wonderful, wonderful to see. Uh, oh, good, good to hear from you. Sean Wynn, uh, the grass cutter. Great work. Well done, all involved. So, again, plenty of support coming in. I look forward to seeing you go-karting, Sean, having referred to you earlier. That's all. That's Bob. Yes. <laughs> you look a bit uh, quick, though, wheeling. That's bad. Exactly. He will be. He will be. And uh, uh, he's a good lad. He's a good lad. Uh, Tony Dixon, the Autosport guys and girls are awesome. And also, by the way, this is some big news. We're yeah, talking about this karting, and you know that this guy is not just Swamp Thing, but he's local. He's our local. He's in on this charity day. Yeah, We've got to make this happen somewhere because I know you want to be at the same event as him. This could be huge. I know you said no to this, but I think it would be good. Matt Parr, one of our saloon car drivers, nearly won the championship. <laughs> won the class. I'd be up for some charity indoor karting, could easily get a group to come along. I know what you're saying, James, but I think that we need to have it's, this because it will draw people in. They, that's absolutely fine. Matt, that would be a delight if, if you'd be up for that. Getting some people together in order to go go-karting and su supporting it at the same time. Let's yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of win-win, isn't it? It is. It, you know, you get to race against these people that you are watching. I'm commentating on. You're looking after whether you're Marshalls, Medics, all of these guys, and we suddenly could actually race against them. How cool would that be? Uh, I like this one. Jed Doyle, uh, ha charity outdoor karting on a full circuit, not a karting circuit. Does that happen? Is that a thing? Reckon that would be pretty cool. Only in the supercars, which I don't think we'll allow ourselves out because they go at about 160 miles an hour. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> We've we have discussed. I mean, things like um, could you use karting as a support event for race of remembrance and actually use the circuit? So we have discussed some interesting stuff in the past. I mean, there are people out there who are much more expert than I, um, because there are certain sort of carts that that um, uh, you could manage. You know, within sound and everything else, you could potentially make something work. The big problem tends to be is that you've got to pick them up from one place, transport them all together support them to be able to run at another and it means that they're also not financially making any money while they've they've done that transfer is the thing that's held us up in the past but jed there you go your mission like it like it sean's also uh, come back in again uh, have to try a car track day one day so he's going to go from two to four wheels i like the sound of that there you go uh, and Matt Pyre has responded saying, I can do that. I'd also be interested in running some Mission Motorsport stickers on the car in the Castle Coombe Saloon Car Championship. Very cool. Really good. Though we used to, actually, did I used to run some sponsorship in Castle Coombe? I once um, offered to sponsor the underside of Simon Norris's Evo. <laughs> I'm not sure if that if that counts. Uh, no, because we never... That was a personal anyway. thing, I think. Yeah. <laughs> We'd never see that anyway. Right. <laughs> be- be- before we... <laughs> <laughs> Before we get this uh, wrapped up, I'm getting you out of this one now. Um, <laughs> I want to uh, just very quickly go back to you because we've we've talked about the amazing work that Mission Motorsport does. And I want to just quickly, we kind of have touched on it. We maybe have covered all of it. I don't know. But I've never really asked the question. You yourself are in the forces. And I know we talk sort of grandeur about what you did. Did you come out? with your own challenges as a result of everything that you did and see there as well, that this has helped with you in, in your own cathartic way? Uh, yeah, I did. So, I mean, I was, um, I, I was being treated for um, sort of mental health issues. Um, so I, I've sort of, I've got that PTSD t-shirt as well. And for me, it was, it was around, um, uh, and it wasn't about individual jeopardy. It wasn't sort of the stuff that I'd been in. Um I was on the ground an awful lot and and got bounced around in some. So that last tour, that one, there you go, that one, <laughs> that last tour, um, I I um, was quite embarrassed because I got a men- mention in dispatches for and a mention in dispatches is a um, is a gallantry award, um, really for in my case gross stupidity and failure to lay in the, in the face of the enemy. So. Um, but it's always a bit uncomfortable when you when you are singled out. But it's kind of the way that the the award scheme works. But at no point was I riding a motorbike. You know, I I was an armoured vehicle commander with a crew. So what we did, we absolutely did together. And while I was leading that, I also, you know, I had at least two other people with us. Three. Um, I think almost at all times, at least in that vehicle. And we were very much of a mind and we were doing it, you know, together and because we wanted to do it. And so I'd, I'd kind of really struggled to separate that, any individual kind of recognition from from actually what, what the whole had done. And that goes back to the same stuff I was talking about with, with CVs and stuff, you know, it's particularly a cultural piece. But um, that feeling of responsibility for, for a large group of people, I mean, I'd, I went away with 168 people, tankies, um, the armoured group I commanded sort of fluctuated in size, anywhere between you know, getting off the plane 168, sort of 350 most of the time, uh, chunk more than that for, for different operations and stuff where you've got other people who are kind of attached to you. And I felt really passionately about them. 
because um, you because you know them and you know their families and you know and you know a lot of guys you know the names of their kids you know their expectations and ambitions and all of the rest of it and you also see the impact that it has and not just that as well on on those who I mean our, our charitable articles talk about those who've been affected by military operations and that is very deliberate wording because I don't think you need to have gone to Afghanistan necessarily or Iraq to have been impacted by the things which happened there or the Balkans or the Falklands or Northern Ireland. I think the families, uh, in some way more than the blokes, have a shoulder a greater different burden of not knowing, which which personally I think I would find much harder to deal with. It's, it's much easier being there doing the do than being at home not knowing and, and just being afraid of the news and all of the impacts and and the strangeness when you come back doesn't matter how much you anticipate it. It is it is weird as you're as you're um, coming back from one very different world into another, mm-hmm. and so um, that feeling of responsibility for that population of people who'd who'd been impacted, I felt a great deal of responsibility for and wanted to and wanted to do something for them. So um, you know, and that that led to to Mission Motorsport, and it's um, and I mean I'm I'm much better. Uh, than I was um, uh, and uh, but I, I think it's important though that our organization still has that sense at the at the center of it that it has to be it would be very easy to be to fall foul of sort of commercial um, desires or or just a desire for the spotlight you know if, if I was jumping about shouting yeah no we're going to go to Le Mans then that's probably the point at which I've got it wrong you know, because it's not about going to Le Mans. But if I'm getting excited about Jack Taylor as an example of a guy who who couldn't be away from his missus, you know, struggled to kind of leave his home environment, went to classic Le Mans and was part of a crew that ran a classic blower Bentley that won, um, that for him is incredible in terms of a, a recovery journey. Um, and the, the Bentley winning is really cool. I mean, that's ace. Oh, but you'll yeah. find us much more happy in shouting about Jack Taylor and the journey which he went on in support of his own individual recovery journey than the thing which made it happen. So, I mean, you know, I've done a, a lot of 24-hour racing, both with beneficiaries and without beneficiaries. And um, uh, the the most rewarding things which you remember out of the back of it are the individual journeys that, that people have been on and where you've, you've been able to really um, help a family, not just an individual, but a whole, whole sort of family kind of get better. And that, that, remains despite the fact that i'm i'm no longer um uh quite as uh three-legged donkey as perhaps i i used to be but i um but but the core of the organization has to be around that that it has to be about the blokes it has to be about their recovery journey and everything else comes secondary to that which you know apologies for 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 sort of like saying that but but what i wanted everybody to understand there is that this this confident man that we see in front of us now and sort of talking with 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 great candor and everything there is a lot more to it and and and, and I, I know you will have understood that's where i was going with that james is to just make sure that it's understood that this is a person speaking from experience and and has been through it and for me just listening to to james then and i'm sure all of you watching would, would agree with this is that it's about what's not said that speaks a lot is that it didn't take long for it to be abandoning about himself to suddenly talking about these others and and i think that that sums up both you not both you 
Mission Motorsport and the support that is actually needed for the individuals, not just those with PTSD and with injuries and everything else, but just to sort of rehabilitate and retrain and get back out there on a career, which is just you know, absolutely amazing to see and, and, and credit where it's due. And that's, that's why it's, it's lovely to see. And, you know, it's great that this is helping so many, the, the extra word he added on afterwards. It's great that it's helping so many. It, it is, we've got more to come. And this is why I say it is that I think we've yet again, we've relied on our military that have suddenly jumped up and, and been doing a lot during this COVID uh, period. Uh, again, I can speak from experience. Everything, we, we assume that it's just war. Now, war, of course, is going to be the most obvious and the most horrific, but it, there's so many other things. My dad in the RAF, the, was it 1977 fireman strike? And he yeah. was out there in Cardiff, so a very busy place, in the green goddesses that are not equipped to be doing this. And suffice... In later, in later mates who were still using those same vehicles in the... Yeah. Was it late nineties or even it was even yeah. noughties? But but the fact that this replaced the fire service because they went out on strike and so they were out there and I know that we can't talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the things that Dad saw and and him and his team that that got involved with is that you know he just will not talk about it. It brings back horrible memories and all of those things. So there's it's not just about war. This it's everything that, that 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 you guys are always involved with and the fact that you're there supporting them is just amazing so from myself i'm going to say thank you you've you've heard it over and over Thanks, again by anyone. one final thing I, I want to ask then if you weren't doing mission motorsport which i'm sure although you talk, talk about it being you know oh how did i do why did i do that it's crazy i'm sure it's been cathartic in its own way as well it's sort of self-supportive to some extent what would you have been doing if it wasn't mission motorsport i i do you know i've absolutely no idea um I don't know. I don't know. I think no. um, I uh, uh, it, there are all sorts of things which get you out of bed in the morning um, and uh, uh, and you sort of throw the duvet off and think, you know, come on, I'm, I'm going to go. I think having that meaning, having having that thing which um, which helps give you that reason to be able to go go about and drive into your day is, is incredibly important. And whatever I was doing, I, I would need to be, I think I'd need to be looking for that. Um, it, it, one of the things that I really enjoy is that is the community piece. It's just so important. And um, uh, to make people and to help people feel that they're part of something and um, uh, to empower them as well, to be able to contribute to others, is is incredibly incredibly kind of intoxicating. So I'd have to I'd have to have a jolly good look around in order to be able to find that. I mean, right now, I think the the largest thing that I've been doing apart from Mission Motorsport has been my shed build, which uh, <laughs> uh, which I came here from doing. So there's probably bits of me look like, um, yeah, I've got some horrible sort of blotchy skin disease, but I'm uh, it, it's wood stain. Honestly. Yeah, your honor. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, it definitely won't be shed building, mate. That's what, <laughs> that's what I no, no, no. Uh, well, listen, thank you so much, mate. I appreciate it. Uh, as you've seen, is that so many people were, were, were wanting you to come on. Uh, people like Tony already saying thank you. And I know we'll start getting a whole load more in now. They know we're wrapping it up. It's been an absolute pleasure. It was always going to happen that I was going to ask you to come on to this show. I just knew I had to make it a thing before I even asked you. So uh, thank you so much for coming on, mate. And I can't wait to work with you again in the future. Thanks, Chris. No, it's going to come on soon. And, and guys like you, you know, sort of who are out there ambassadors for the sport that we all love. 
you're doing an important job. Um, uh, and it's it's great, but you know, it's it's been a really weird period we've come through. But now our job, all of us collectively, is to go right. Come on, let's let's make this thing work, and let's let's get back amongst it. So. Um, uh, efforts like yourselves and the team at Coombe, um, Tom, who may watch this once he's sobered up at some point. Um, yeah, abs absolutely. And if there's anything that we can do in order to um, help bring or shine a spotlight onto something which is being done in British motorsport, then uh, then we want to hear about it. And uh, and obviously we want to go back. So you've got the missionmotorsport.org forward slash news going at the bottom there. Go and have a look. You've got uh, some great videos that, that James was talking about there. You've got the, the email address there that if there's things that you do that you think can that, that can assist, you want to find out more, uh, any of those kind of things, you know, drop them a line. Nothing's daft. You know, at, at the end of the day is that, that of course they're going to get a number of them, but but drop, drop them a line and let's see if we can come through this together and we've got to see if we can make this karting thing happen. James, thank you, mate. I appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you on a karting track soon. Thanks, Absolutely. guys. So thank you very much for James as we move him back to the, uh, to the green room. You're all saying awesome session, fantastic session. Thanks, guys, Jed Daw and Chris Parr. And I know all of you agree. And, and uh, you're right. It was one of those ones that always had to happen uh, to get him on. Fantastic evening from Keith Rain. All right, Keith. Uh, Matt Parr, thanks for a good show as usual. Thank you, guys. We appreciate that you're watching. We appreciate the support. I think we've got a lot of things to think about, a lot of things that can happen. Uh, and all of us can help in our own ways. But for now, that was Coombe TV episode 21. I haven't decided yet who we've got next Sunday, but really exciting. In two weeks' time, I think, I'm waiting for confirmation, I'm hopeful that we could have those that I aspire to be, the true voices of Castle Coombe. We're going to have, hopefully, David George and Richard Davies, both on this show. Richard from Spain, David, I'm not sure where he is these days, but recovering from health issues, and we'll be able to have the true voices of Coombe that, that I have uh, aspire to be, and it'll be lovely to catch up with them. So keep tuned. That will probably be in two weeks, maybe into July, but you know what happens is that we'll let you know what's on the show. But from us at Coombe TV, stay safe, keep the gin coming if that's your tip or whatever it is, and let's see what we can do to help Mission Motorsport. From us here, good evening. <laughs> <laughs>